Hello, Andre here. Welcome to yet another episode of The Daily. This episode is for Friday, the 19th of June, and we are at the end of the week and day one of phase two. Now, this probably comes at great joy for all you extroverts out there, the ability to go out to a restaurant, hang out with friends, small social groups. I think many of you are thrilled uh, with the idea, but just some pastoral kind of instruction here. encourage you to of course you know get connected again regroup reunite with family members with loved ones but to do so with restraint uh i think one of the concerning news reports that i've seen uh fairly recently is that haiti lao uh, is booked out for weeks people are swarming to haiti lao and so i want to encourage you um do not just rush out and block out your schedule and spend every day outside uh but to you know still exercise a bit of restraint in this time i think it's healthy is good and if all of us play our part exercise a bit of restraint we'll see other numbers uh go down you know even more rapidly and so all this to say yay phase two but still restraint that's the end of the pastoral portion let's begin with the podcast you know when i was younger i got into trouble a ton right and in my household the house i grew up in we had uh what i would describe as escalations of uh severity Meaning, you know, the day-to-day, run-of-the-mill kind of infraction, mom would take care of it, right? Mom would scold us or punish us. But the moment she says, I am telling your father, that's when we know that, you know, it got real and we are in big trouble. And so, you know, my dad, uh, when I was younger, would work really late and uh, he would come back maybe about 9 or 10 uh, at night. Uh, most nights and so my mom you know uh, after wrong that we did be it um, lying or forging uh, our parents signature on our Chinese things here uh, whatever kind of infraction right my mom when she feels like she, she she's just at the end of herself she just can't handle it anymore she needs to escalate it when she says I'm telling your father fear would just hit us like a ton of bricks as children and uh, we would go to bed you know around nine we would go to bed and we'll be sleeping in our rooms uh but of course uh fearing and waiting for our dad to come home now uh, our dad will come home about 10 he'll wake us up and we'll have a chat lots of tears lots of repentance you may disagree with the methods, but I think my parents raised uh, pretty good kids. Now, I remember that time period between uh, going to bed and my dad eventually coming home and having uh, that conversation with us. That one hour or two hour was by far the most scary time periods as, as a young boy because, you know, we, we never knew what was going to happen. We, we don't know and uh, what time it was going to come back. We don't know how the conversation was going to go, whether, you know, it would be a massive scolding or just a short reprimand and we go back to bed. But I remember, you know, in those like one to two hours, I would try to play out every possible negative scenario in my head. Like, you know, it could range from like a massive scolding to being like chased out of the house and disowned. I would play out all these like negative scenarios in my head. And that was kind of my way of coping, right? You know, I wanted to like 
you know, in a way, predict all the negative, possible negative outcomes and scenarios such that I won't be surprised and uh, so that I could be prepared. But what happened more often than not is that none of these scenarios will actually happen. And I would just, you know, be literally immersed in some two hours of anxious, uh, negative uh, thinking. And that pattern of coping with uncertain scenarios, uh, you know, I, I've taken, uh, even as I grew older, whenever I encountered scenarios that were uncertain, uh, I wasn't sure how things were going to pan out, I would try to play out every negative scenario possible in my head so that I would be quote-unquote prepared. And I don't know how many of you do that. But what I found is that I would devote and expend hours of my mental energy thinking about scary scenarios that really never materialize. And I've discovered over time that I have uh, learned that 95% of the things I worry about, things that I conjure up in my mind about the future, never happens. And so I spend so much time thinking and imagining scenarios, driving myself into anxiety, all for nothing. Many of you will be aware that I used to struggle uh, with diabetes, with really high blood sugar levels, but I've since been off medication and have been really able to regulate my sugar levels based on my diet and exercise. But remember uh, the first time I visited a doctor for it, the doctor was convinced that I was type 1 di diabetic, and if you're not familiar with that, Type 1 diabetic is, uh, you know, basically means that at some point in your life, you would be insulin dependent, uh, thing, those insulin jabs. Uh, and there was something that I didn't really want, something that made me really sorrowful when I first heard about it. And the doctor made that preliminary diagnosis because uh, I was really young and those uh, who were in my age bracket typically suffered from type 1 diabetes instead of type 2. Now, I remember going home really sorrowful. Uh, he gave me uh, some medication that would work for a typical type 2 diabetic, but it wouldn't work for a type 1 diabetic. I remember taking the medication uh, the first night, the second night, the third night, and I saw astounding results. Like my blood sugar level just plummeted and it seemed like the medicine was really 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 working and Amy was so joyful and happy of seeing the results but on the other hand went to google for possible reasons why the medicine uh, would work for a type 1 diabetic and I found that there was a kind of classification of uh, diabetics that uh, would have the medications work on an initial kind of level but over time, you will grow to be kind of insulin dependent. It was like type 1.5 if memory serves me right. And I read that like it is so rare that less than 10% of diabetics actually have something remotely close to type 1.5. And for some reason, I was absolutely convinced that I had it. Right, that the medicine wasn't working because I was type 2, which was much preferred. It meant that I could overcome it through diet and through exercise, but I was this type 1.5 that still required insulin. Uh, and as many of you know, I went, I got retested, and they classified me as type 2, and then that's all she wrote. The point I like to make is this. Anyone without hope can expect the worst, but it takes courage to expect the best. Let me say that again. Anyone without hope can expect the worst. It takes courage to expect the best. 
we all know that the biblical definition of hope differs greatly from that which we understand hope to be in the world. Hope in our world looks like wishful thinking. It looks like fingers crossed. I hope that it pans out. I hope that it comes to pass. It's built uh, largely on uncertainty. But hope in the Bible is resolute. It has a firm foundation. It finds its foundation on the goodness, the power, the faithfulness of God. Hope uh, in the Bible is the Greek word elpis, which translates to the confident expectation of good. And so in many ways, when we choose to conjure up our negative outcomes and scenarios such that we may be prepared, we are in many ways violating the hope which is in us, that which yearns to confidently, confidently expect and long for God's goodness to unfold. I do sincerely believe that all Christians should be optimistic and not optimistic in the sense of blind faith, but optimism that comes from a deep sense of God's goodness, his work in us and his work in the world. Psalm 27 verse 13, 14 says this, I remain confident of this. In some translations, it says, I would have lost heart or I would have despaired had I not believed. It goes on to say, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, verse 14. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Notice the, the phrasing, right? You know, it's, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, in this time, in this day, in this age. And what we are often guilty of is pushing the promises of God in Scripture to an age uh, in the future to which we have no responsibility to contend, to fight, to long, to believe for. And what David is saying in this psalm is that we ought to remain confident that we'll see God's goodness, not just in the age to come, we'll see an unfolding of a kind of goodness that probably far eclipses anything that we see on the earth, but we will see tangible manifestations of God's goodness and kindness in our day, in our age, in the land of the living. In verse 14, David encourages us to wait for the Lord, to be strong, to take heart, and wait for the Lord to believe, to eagerly long to seek after the Lord. One of my favorite stories in scripture is from Luke 24. And this is a story of the two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus, who many scholars who believe that uh, these were two disciples who were fleeing for their lives, who were trying to get as far away from the city as possible because uh, rumors of persecution uh, was were, were emerging and these two disciples were trying to uh, um, save their lives. And in this uh, story, we read of their just despondency and hopelessness, even as Jesus drew near to them, they expressed this deep disappointment that their hope had not been realized. And the story turns as these two disciples invited Jesus, uh, they, at the point they didn't know that it was Jesus, to have dinner with them. And then something beautiful happened. Jesus revealed himself as he brought, broke bread with them. And it's this intimate moment that they shared together. And it was in that moment that their hearts began to burn and hope was restored to their cynical hearts. 
The point I'd like to make is this, that hope is not something we conjure or we believe ourselves into. It's not a Tinkerbell kind of situation where we keep trying to believe. But hope comes when we experience He who is hope Himself. We become confident of God's goodness when we have experienced God Himself. So even today, as you consider the thoughts you've been entertaining, don't beat yourself down by thinking, hey, are you? I have a messed up kind of thought pattern and belief system. But instead, draw near to he who is hope himself. Draw near, just like the two on the road to Emmaus, this, they invited Jesus to dine, to fellowship, to be with them. Invite Jesus into your midst, even in this moment. And allow his love his abiding peace and presence to form to birth hope in you because hope really isn't the byproduct of right believing it is the byproduct of right relating it's when we are well related rightly related closely related and experiencing the depths of intimacy with our god that is where hope happens The Apostle Paul writes this to the Roman church, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God Himself who fills us, and it is God Himself that will allow us to overflow, to be abundant in hope. It is the work of the Spirit, not a byproduct of self-effort, but it comes from abiding. It comes from a deep intimacy and connection to the Trinity. So this morning, let's spend some time allowing for God to fill us with His hope. I love that verse that in, in Romans, that when He fills us with hope, joy and peace becomes the inevitable byproduct. And I wonder in your life, even right now, as you consider how your interactions with people have been, how you've been conducting yourself, whether you would think of yourself as a person who is exuding, exhibiting joy and peace. And maybe in some ways, your hope levels are really down, right? You are pessimistic these days. You have a really grim outlook of life. The future just seems dark and bleak to you. And I want you to allow for yourself this morning to allow our God who is hope to fill you just as he did for the two on the road to Emmaus and turn their cynical unbelieving hearts into hearts that burn with a white hot fire. God is able to do that for you this morning. And so let's spend some time today stilling our hearts and being aware even of where you lack hope. Perhaps you lack hope for your family situation. Perhaps you lack hope in your finances. Perhaps you lack hope in getting a kind of breakthrough uh, in your life, be it a physical breakthrough or emotional breakthrough. Wherever you lack hope, I want you to put that area before you even in this moment. If you can picture that area as a lump of clay, as an unformed lump of clay, You're putting it before you right now. And in this moment, you're inviting God, who is the master porter, who is the great artist, to come and form and shape that clay into a work of art, into 
an object of beauty. You're allowing God to define your outlook on that situation. And so let's spend a few moments this morning inviting God to fill us with hope. I invite you right now to close your eyes, still your hearts, and take a deep breath in. And as you breathe in, to the best of your ability, picture yourself breathing in God's hope. And as your lungs fill up with air, think of your soul being filled up with hope, even as you breathe. And as you breathe out, in your own way, begin to breathe out every fear, every anxiety, every unfounded worry that has been weighing heavily on you. And take another deep breath of hope and feel even your mind begin to unclutter. Perhaps your mind has been so filled with thoughts of fear and uncertainty. Allow your mind to even be cleared in this time, even as you take a deep breath of hope. And let's spend a few moments breathing in and out and believing that even as we do so, God's Spirit is working deeply within us. Let's spend a few moments this morning doing so. Amazing. I hope in that time you experience tangible presence of the Lord. Let me pray for you even as begin your day today. Father, we thank you that we can trust in you. We can put the whole weight of our lives, our hopes, our dreams, our expectations on you. You are a God who never fails. In you, we can confidently expect that we will see goodness in the land of the living. And so God, we pray this day, help us to be a people so filled with hope, so pervaded with this abiding sense of hope that we exude and exhibit joy and peace wherever we go. Lord, we pray that you would indeed turn our cynical, unbelieving hearts into hearts that burn with a white-hot passion for you. Help us this day. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily we're going to be entering the weekend tomorrow. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Sunday for our online gathering. God bless, grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the daily podcast. We will have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and you want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.